these things are going to be a bare minimum, right? Caring about other people is it, it's not going to be a differentiating factor, a selling factor. If you're going to want to attract the best talent, I mean, I'd say, you know, the vast, vast majority of people our age know, you can see it on, on the news every day. You know about climate change. You know about social injustice, whether that's gender, race, religion, whatever it is. You see it every single day. You can't ignore it. And if you're going to want to attract the best talent, you better have a company that lives up to those principles. Go hard, but go home. 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 Touchdown like the end zone. When the circle turn to my home, can't get me out of my zone. Go hard. But we are not like officially start yet, or maybe I will put this in the official episode. Who knows? Hoopers. But <laughs> hi, Andy. Very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Minja. Julio and Andy, you guys spoke on the phone. Is this your first time seeing each other's faces? Yeah. So good yes, to see sir. you too, Julio. <laughs> good to see you. Great. And I love how this panel looks so Gen Z <laughs> with the gaming <laughs> chairs and headphones. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Starting off strong, before before I hopped on here, I just scrolled to um, th- Twitter real quick just to get a you know quick daily dose of our generation and exactly ninety percent of it was no kids or being that rich aunt uncle you know stereotype. <laughs> I feel like now I have to get my headphone out or something. <laughs> hey, uh, Minja, quick question. Mm-hmm. So if something happens, do you just edit it out? Like if I yeah. sneeze or something like that. Okay. Yes, but I don't know. For this episode, maybe I would keep it raw. I don't know. It's fun. For a lot of my friends' episode, we're just like, you know, <laughs> let's just go <laughs> with the flow. Yeah, yeah. I'm gotcha. down. So I don't really have like a set format for this episode. I think the main topic, we are kind of just discussing what commercial real estate, what this industry will look like 20 or 30 years from now once we, the young people, start to make it to the decision-making positions in our career. So I think this is a fun topic. So treat this as a friend's conversation. And also, like, for the editing, I'm going to put a lot of songs in there. (laughs) Definitely some, you know, lo-fi or some hip-hop songs or maybe some old-school pop. I like those type of songs. So (laughs) um, welcome to the most interesting commercial real estate podcast. And yes, that was a very biased statement because I am the host. (laughs) And today I have... Two of my friends with me, Julio and Andy. And I think this episode is going to be super fun. I think I am the oldest one. Oh, it's it's weird to say that I am the oldest <laughs> one in the group. So why don't we start with the self-intro? Um, let's start with Andy first because Andy is our new friend. And then we go with Julio and then I can talk about how old I am and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hi, new friends. My name's Andy Zhu. I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, and that's where I'm working out of. I'm a commercial real estate broker, developer, investor, still working in Nashville, Tennessee, and specifically focused on micro units, anything we can do to support affordability, sustainability, entrepreneurship, you know, walkability, accessibility for people, anything that helps people really be a part of the world that has been kind of 
maybe locked off to them or kind of inaccessible to them, supporting, you know, social equity, all those sort of things is what I think about in terms of real estate. And I guess I'll say I'm 23, 24 in November. So I uh, just just qualify for the Gen Z cutoff. So <laughs> and I feel like for my podcast audience, they cannot see the video, but I would love to put the video on my personal YouTube channel because those two Gen Z have their gaming chairs and headphones. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm the millennial with just like a home office setting. Go ahead, Julio. Sure, sure. So I'm Julio. I'm currently an underwriting analyst. I'm with the targeted affordable housing team. And basically we deal with anything you know, affordable housing, meaning anything that's restricted in rent or income. And we usually work with anything 60 AMI below. And uh, I'm working remotely out of Texas. I'm in College Station. That's that's in between all the big cities, all the big metros. We're sort of in that triangle. And pretty interesting. I have not met anybody of none of my coworkers in person. I've onboarded remotely and I, I'm going to be this way for a couple of months. So it's a pretty interesting way to start off my new career out of school. And are you a Gen Z or millennial? Gen Z. So I'm also 23. I'll be 24 this summer in July. So I think I'm in between Andy and you. Yes. Hello, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, even though I'm the host of this show, I'm Mingja. I'm the oldest person in this <laughs> call today. I am 24. I love how all of you mentioned affordable housing and micro units because I do that too here in Las Vegas. We definitely have a lot of interesting topics to talk about in terms of affordable housing, sustainability, and the young people generation. I don't know whether I should call myself a Gen Z or millennial. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think from what I've seen out there, I think most sources agree that it's somewhere between 96 to 97. So I consider you Gen Z. We're, we're both at that upper echelon of yes. Gen Z. And uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, by the way, I, after Gen Z, it's Generation Alpha, which is going to end shortly, I think. 2024, 2025-ish. And then after that is Generation Beta. Oh, yes. So in today's topic, we are going to talk about what the commercial real estate industry will look like 20, 30 years from now. And I think we can expand the topics beyond just the work, life, career culture and company culture. I think we can also talk a lot about development, design, sustainability, our sorts of things, technology, and definitely. So who wants to start first? Any ideas? What is your vision? What this industry is going to look like 20 years from now? Yeah, yeah. So I'll throw something out there. And it's the first thing that comes to mind. And it's dress code. One thing I think and I kind of hope will happen is that, you know, we'll, we'll have a more lenient dress code where we'll be allowed to dress a lot more comfortably if we, whenever we do come back to the office, you know, in the future, if there is still office, I'm not going to go jump too far ahead. Um, <laughs> so I think I, this comes from me. I mean, I, I grew up in Texas and it's almost, it's super hot year round. And I think we put a lot of emphasis on being comfortable in the way we dress. So if you're in Texas, you're wearing a suit in the summer, you'll be you'll be toast in a couple of seconds. And, you know, that's something that's so, you know, icky to me. So 
like something I think will happen is that I don't think, you know, suits or formality will go out entirely. I think there, there's going to be a lot more um, leniency in terms of what we're able to wear, because, I mean, the more comfortable we are, I think the better we're going to perform. And we're, we're also that generation where, you know, girls have constantly been prosecuted in school districts for what they wear. So I, I think that's going to have, you know, kind of a backlash. Yeah. Well, since think? you started the topic with company culture, why don't we start with the company culture focus and then we can talk about other topics later because I want to follow up with that dress code. I live in a city in the summer that is over 100 degree outside. <laughs> so in Las Vegas, everybody wears flip-flops in the summer. So I also think it depends on the company that you work in because for my company, like me and my boss, we all wear flip-flops. But when we go meet with, you know, the city politicians and zoning meetings, we will are business casual, but definitely not full suits like New Yorkers do. And I, I definitely agree with you. Like when I go to a lot of conferences in New York, I show up and then 90% of the people wear black or dark blue and I cannot tell the difference like I have to look at their face in order to tell who they are but I show up with you know like a pink or highlighter color because I well first of all I'm the only person at that New York conference that is from Las Vegas and of Mm -hmm. course I want to be different like when I go to a conference I want to stand out you know (laughs) among 2,000 people (laughs) yeah I think what you said there really touches on that different mentality it's like used to be in order to be a part of these industries, you wanted to blend in with the crowd, you wanted to be mm. the same, you wanted to not make waves. But the problem is, is that now everyone, because of social media, because of whatever, has access to phone, they have access to creating content. You can't just be the same as everybody else and expect to stand out, expect to build a business, mm. a brand for yourself. So uh, exactly what you said, I think there's gonna be a lot more personality. And besides, I think very few people our age currently are gonna necessarily care about wearing suits and stuff. I think we're gonna wanna look nice. Looking nice is great. Everyone wants to look nice, but it can be in a different way. Yes, and I agree with you. I feel like our generation, I'm going to consider myself Gen Z today. I feel like our generation, we prefer being unique and just be us and we don't want to blend in in the crowd and try to be what we are not inside of us and I think we love the idea of being different and being unique and yeah I I agree with what Andy just said okay in addition to dress code what about the company culture the work environment so on that, I think more by the day, I think more companies are starting to realize that their employees' mental health is something that's super important. And I think there's an absolute effort to create environments where, you know, people aren't uncomfortable or, you know, try to avoid any sort of toxic environment in any way. And while on that topic, I think I think companies are finally starting to take DEI initiatives very seriously and not just as a branding or marketing of their company but i think i think that's actually starting to become a true change and whenever we take over that's it's, it's going to be an, you know an absolute minimum for us what about you andy and feel free to eat and drink i have my apple here i went to the gym <laughs> this morning at 7 30 a.m oh my God. and so i'm super hungry 
Yeah, you should be. Um, in terms of company culture, I, I, I tend to agree with what Julia is saying in terms of these things are going to be a bare minimum, right? Caring about other people is it's not going to be a differentiating factor, a selling factor. If you're going to want to attract the best talent, I mean, the I'd say, you know, the vast, vast majority of people our age know, you can see it on, on the news every day. You know about climate change. You know about social injustice, whether that's gender, race, religion, whatever it is. You see it every single day, you can't ignore it. And if you're gonna want to attract the best talent, you better have a company that lives up to those principles. And, and that's not gonna be, oh, wow, you know, we can sell more, you know, we can be, we can, it's gonna be the bare minimum, as he said. And also, I think that's going to be reflected in terms of, you know, the projects that people are taking on. And maybe this is me transitioning the topic to what the buildings are going to be looking like. But if you have people in these companies who care about these different parts of the world, they care about sustainability, they care about providing affordable housing, they care about, you know, reducing, you know, racial gender wealth gap or whatever, the projects and structures in which not only that the buildings that we build, but also the way we finance things, the way we allow people to participate. I have invested in, there's this REIT in, in California called NICO, N-I-C-O, the Neighborhood Investment Company. And they're essentially, the whole purpose behind their REIT is that they're a social benefit corporation and they allow and specifically give preferred shares to people who live in the neighborhood. And you know, where, and especially it's a neighborhood that, you know, historically has not been as, you know, it's lots of neighborhoods in California are gentrifying. And then who benefits from the gentrification? Usually not the people who live there. But what if we could create these REITs, ways to finance these buildings that allow the people who live in individual communities to participate in the gains and growth of real estate? You know, that's well, I think we're going to see a lot more things and in creative financing situations as well to support kind of the newer set of values that people have. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. And, you know, historically speaking, some neighborhoods have been excluded from these company, you know, business lines. Certain companies, certain banks, lenders won't lend in a certain neighborhood mm -hmm. because of the composition or, you know, that, you know, it's not safe. It's not, you know, it has high crime, you know, things like that. So it, if nobody's investing, nobody's lending in these places, then it's going to stay that way. And it's it's kind of an endless loop. So I think us as a generation, we're going to be a lot more comfortable accepting that risk and actually taking initiative to invest in these communities. Yeah. And I love the point where Andy was talking about the design and development aspect of it. So in my podcast, I have mentioned this a lot is that every building, every development reflects the developer that's behind it. Like the way they think, it's kind of like a piece of art. It tells you the style of the artist that's behind it. And I use Las Vegas Strip as an example because I, I'm a local. So each hotel, um, some developers, they prefer 
large mega asset, and some developers they prefer the luxurious, you know, the most expensive hotel ever. And some developers, if you look at New York, there are different types of residential developments. Um, obviously, the ones that meet the headline are always the high-rise luxury condos. But I think when our generation become the main developer of a project, we will put. Our ideas and things that we want to pursue into our building, whether it's sustainability, whether it's the the floor plan, whether it's architecture or the material that we use in the building, it will reflect what our generation wants to see. So, yeah. And that point you make about wanting to focus on local is so true. I think it's kind of just as the world becomes more digital and everything becomes more connected and. You know, everybody can see everything at all times, right? The everything becomes kind of saturated in mass media. The more you crave something local, the more you crave something unique. It's not like people are not going to go to hotels or big resorts anymore,、mm-hmm. but they're going to want to go to a place that has a little bit of local charm where you can interact with people, right? The the more we use our technology and social media and cell phones, actually, I think this is something that I've noticed among young people is that. We're very expressive about, you know, wanting human connection, wanting human interaction, and how、uh, because we've been replaced with cell phones, a lot of it.、Mm-hmm. Every time you get to actually interact, and COVID has only triple charged this. Every time you get to interact with people in person, have organic communication, it becomes even more meaningful. So, how do you create places and locations that support that organic? Communication, organic interaction between people, and I think that's what people are going to value. And if people value it, then obviously, you know, those are the types of buildings that are going to be financed and projects that are going to be built, and those are the things that are going to make the most money. That reminds me of a word. If you look at all of the hotels on the Strip, the successful ones, one key factor that they were successful is because of the authenticity.、Mm-hmm. Authenticity. Can somebody please correct my English word on that one? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Thank you so much, Andy. English is my third language, but um, yes. Even if even if you look at those <laughs> developments like twenty years ago, it is the developer who puts his or her ideas into the building. So when we become the main developers, we will express our ideas within our project and. If you look at social media, like you mentioned, social media, the successful influencers are authentic, and they have their personal connections with their audience. So, so、uh, on the topic of social media,、uh, now that we're on it, what is that going to look like in terms of the commercial real estate world? I mean, are we going to be seeing fan cams of new developments? Is that going to be a thing?、Yes. Ra- raising equity. <laughs> what do y'all think? I have a lot of ideas. On this topic, so <laughs> one thing that I really want to see—I don't know whether somebody else have done it before—is I want to see a kind of a mini YouTube series documentary of the entire development process of a project, whether it's a hotel, a residential building, or stadium, whatever it is. So one of the YouTuber I kind of 
see his um, videos, but I don't really follow the cosmetic industries. Um, this YouTuber, he wanted to create an eyeshadow palette. So one year before the launch day, he and his team document the entire process of selecting the colors, finding the manufacturing um, design, and the preparation of the cells, and then all of these internal team meetings and the behind the scene content. It's so interesting. They put this 12 episodes YouTube series and they sold out $60 million of eyeshadow palettes before wow. the launch date. If, if you think about all of these residential developers or hotel developers, if they can probably... Like, I don't know when they're doing like the pre-sale and I, like a lot of these developers, they hire a residential firm and then the residential firm will do the marketing and then because they get commissions on it. So they have to spend a lot of money on marketing. But I just think it's so interesting if we can create like a, like a mini Netflix series type of content. Yeah, I think that would be a, a pretty good idea actually now that you bring it up. Um, following a project from concept to actual ground up construction would be interesting, especially if you put like a little vlog twist into it, something to appeal to the younger audience. I think that'll get them a lot more intrigued in this industry. Yeah, I'll, I'll plug something. Uh, we, if you guys want to follow my boss's channel on YouTube at Tyler Cobble, C-A-U-B-L-E, uh, we're trying to vlog our latest projects. So we're like developing a, kind of a food hall micro retail uh, operation. And we're trying to, you know, give updates literally every couple of weeks about it. So that's something we're, we're trying to, we're trying to do, trying to get started on. But I think you're so right. It's that content creation is, is key to brands creating that authenticity. And, and, and you were talking about residential because obviously it's cool for the big commercial projects, but think about residential. If you have because what with the future of the construction industry, we're going to have cameras all over the place that kind of help monitor stuff and get people to be more effective and more efficient. What if we can stitch together, you know, little videos of the building process for each individual person's home? You can know the care and work that and the craftsmanship that went into every single detail. I bet that house would so, you know, way faster than the same house down the road that doesn't have that video content behind it because people want that. People want to know what is going into their product, what is what yeah. they're paying for. It's I think it's very important. So I think you touched on something very cool there. Yeah. And oh, I have a lot to say. Like we can go on for an hour about this topic. <laughs> content creation is very important. And I think the reason why not a lot of the commercial developers are doing it it's because it's not as easy as people think. I've mm -hmm. seen companies or executives on LinkedIn say, hey, we're looking for an intern to edit our video. But you really need to have a strong creative team, editor, videographer, photographer, graphic designer, social media managers to do the distributions of the content. Filming and editing, the production part is important and also the distribution distribution part is also important. So I think it's a time and money commitment to do a vlog content creation of a project like that. But I think this will change. We'll see. Hopefully some young developers 
you know, up and coming young developers will feel free to take my idea, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so on that, uh, I'll, I'll bring up a, a dream I had a couple of weeks ago and I had a dream where, you know, there's a financial modeling bootcamp streamed on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Do y'all think something like that is going to happen or manifest, or at least, you know, the educational workshops on these different platforms? So I was thinking about something else, but I can add on that too. I think there are already financial modeling videos on YouTube that you can type in and search, right? But I think in terms of the educational distribution, I can see how we can have some online webinars on YouTube or Twitch or or even TikTok live stream. <laughs> and yeah, yeah that, that's sort of what I was trying to get at, you know, a video platform, but a little less formal, mm-hmm. something that'll uh, attract, you know, that younger audience, yeah. something that doesn't seem like a formal course explicitly, you know? Yeah, I just think it's a lot of the company restrictions that the company culture or the compliance department or the PR department, they don't certainly allow the employees to have these type of creativities. They will not allow you to, you know, be on TikTok to talk about these things. Or maybe they will 20 years from now. Who knows? Maybe I don't even know whether TikTok will still exist 20 years from now because the social media world changes so fast. But yeah, I think it it, it really depends on the company culture. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that point, it's, I think it's a little bit, why why people might not want to share stuff is is kind of out of that old school mindset of how to develop how to be in business at that very look it's not like real estate's going to not be a competitive world at the end of the day only one person can you know end up buying taking a project you still have to win the project but that doesn't mean that there aren't other avenues to partner with other people and you know create more value up and down the chain it's the scarcity versus abundance mindset, right? It, I think that what, I think there's a lesson to be learned from looking at all of these, if, if y'all remember the stuff about GameStop and all the meme stocks, and then now cryptocurrency becoming huge. This is essentially infinite value creation. We have really an abundance of value that we can create for the world and rewarded in a monetary way because that just happens to be the system in which we reward value. We have an infinite ability to do that. So how can you promote more sharing of content if you have more people working together on different ideas and actually can, you know, make the expand the whole pie to be bigger than if just one person tries to monopolize control the whole thing. So I think that's going to be and not to say that you know, we're never going to get away from trying to monopolize things in real estate. But I think monopoly is getting a lot less important, right? If as we're seeing with office buildings right now or hotels, it's like it's no longer just location, location, location when you can work from anywhere, when you don't have to be downtown in, in the tallest building, there's only one spot. Now you can work from your house, you can work from the coffee shop, you can work from the co-working space near you. So what kind of value can we generate and provide people? We have a lot more opportunities to do so when you have many more land options, you have more financing options. I don't know. There's just so many things there that 
and, and going back to the content creation, when I started talking about that, sharing those ideas and communicating, being open with people, I think is going to reward you much more in the long run with partnerships and other sort of joint ventures, collaborations than trying to keep everything for yourself. Yes, 100% agree. One thing I really hate about this industry right now in 2020, hopefully it will change 20 years from now, is that everybody feel like they don't want to share their connections with you. They're like, oh, I don't want to tell you who I know. I don't want to let you know what I'm doing. And then, and then, oh, I don't want to tell you the market information, who the buyer is. And then they don't realize that, well, I can find out everything on Google or I can just go on their Instagram pages about all of these trading informations of the property. I, um, I absolutely agree. I think right now there's sort of like this hostility, you know, you stay away, we stay away. And unless we're, you know, explicit partners, I'm not really going to talk about this with you, but with our generation, I see it being a lot more collaborative and a lot more inclusive. I mean, we we can still be working in different companies. We could still be direct competition, but I think we can share those best practices among each other, you know, to better ourselves as a whole. And I was going to say something when it comes to, I think... And he mentioned something about, oh, now I don't remember what I say. I was, <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Oh, yes. When Julio mentioned Twitch, I had another idea. The other day, I always come up with great ideas. What if, and you mentioned hotel development. Let's say, for example, somebody's building a hotel in New York City or in Texas, Dallas. What if that developer opens a 24-7 Twitch channel or youtube channel or clubhouse and talk about everything that is happening in dallas or in new york city or in san francisco and be the tourism information hub of that city and then they will get lots of followings hopefully if they have you know funny contents and great host like me <laughs> and to <laughs> to be on the show and then they just talk about all of these great things about the city and it will attract listeners to and if somebody, and they don't even need to be hard sales of their hotel. Like when, let's say if I think about, oh, I'm going to go travel to Dallas next month and I want to see where the best restaurants are at. And I follow this podcast, this YouTube channel about Dallas travel. And I will immediately go to that hotel website and book that hotel because that's the first information hub that I go to. Um just an idea. For sure, for sure. And I'll, I'll pivot to something that's also still uh, related to work culture. So I'm, I'm sure y'all have seen this on social media. There seems to be a general agreement that the 40-hour workday is not ideal. And in real estate, most positions are over easily over 40 hours. So uh, whenever that next generation comes up and whenever we're in decision-making roles, do y'all think how do y'all think business hours are going to be defined? Are they going to be redefined? Great question, Julia. We need, we definitely need you to be on this podcast to make us focus on the core episodes, the, the topic, <laughs> because I can go beyond like 10,000 miles beyond what happened. And I always end up talking about Las Vegas and gambling. <laughs> Why don't you go first, Andy? Uh, I think it's, it's, it's already coming, right? What, what happens in the tech space it, has been because they're so powerful 
in terms of capital and, and just, you know, controlling the world at this point, that <laughs> it's always going to be trickling down into these other <laughs> industries. And that's, I think real estate is the slowest changing one, but it's coming, right? In, in terms of flexible work culture and, you know, work hours and, you know, Salesforce saying, hey, you can work from home permanently and Facebook and Google, Microsoft saying the same thing, Twitter saying the same thing, right? And with flexible work in person, you know, they really don't care at the end of the day what time you're working on it, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you get the work done. And really, yeah. that's what every business manager cares about. It's it's such an old school way of thinking to think, hey, you know, you're only productive if you're sitting in your office pecking away at the keyboard. I mean, people have seen office space and movies like that, you know, half the time you sit in your office, you don't do anything. And for a lot of white collar jobs, I'm not saying every single job, but there's a lot of white collar jobs that just a bunch of pencil pushing and paper pushing gets gets thrown around. Right. So if if things become more based off of actual objectives achieved, I think we are going to and I think we're going that way. I think we're going to definitely see more flexible work schedules like I personally, when I'm doing my underwriting, my brain kicks on at like 9 p.m. And then I grind it out for three hours until midnight. And that's when I do my best thinking, you know, and, and companies would be remiss to force someone like me to get up at 7am and do it when my brain's just not on. And maybe I'll get older and I'm going to change the sleep patterns going to change and that definitely will happen. But, you know, you got to support your talent, right? You got to support the people working for you, empower them to work in the best way you can, and you're going to be rewarded. And I think that needs to happen in real estate, especially. I'm glad you brought that up. And to touch on an earlier point that was made about mental health in regards to performance, do y'all, I'll pose another questions. I, I have tons of questions I'd love to ask <laughs> both of y'all. Do you all see us encouraging short, like 10 to 15, maybe even 20 minute power naps during the workday? I think we will easily. Yeah. I Can love we take a nap. naps whenever we want. Or is there a specific I mean, time? I mean, I guess whenever we need it, and ho- hopefully that's not like in the middle of the meeting or like in a call or in a, <laughs> a presentation yeah. to some some of the stakeholders. But I think that might be something that we might be allowing. Yeah, and and it's oh, so you just mentioned phone call or something like that. This reminds me, ten years ago, if you're on your cell phone your coworkers and your bosses would be like, you're not working. But like in 2021, everybody's on their smartphone. Well, they might not know whether we are on Slack or TikTok, but at least everybody is allowed to use their smartphone now at the office. Right, right. You've seen the same thing in schools. I mean, cell phones were prohibited at one point mm-hmm. and then slowly i mean I, i'm sure this is different uh, between school districts but slowly you i'm sure y'all noticed they slowly incorporated the use of phone either throughout a certain period and then it extended to you can use it in certain times you could use it for educational mm-hmm. purposes but you know same thing happened there mm-hmm. and speaking of tiktok i had another idea one of the posts I saw on LinkedIn was, you know how Elon Musk is so yeah. active on Twitter. And then one of the person who works at New York Times, he posted something on his LinkedIn and said, most CEOs 
don't do this. And then he attached the link to an article about Elon Musk tweeting about GameStop and to the moon and all of these crazy stuffs. And then I commented, quote, why not? That's why young people love Elon Musk because he is down to earth and he is fun. Like speaking for myself, not all of the Gen Z out there. I love corporate executives who are fun and relatable to the consumers, not the ones who sit at their office and don't know what is going on on the ground level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about this before about building that personal brand and connection and content creation. I mean, what what Elon is doing every time he tweets about a stock or Dogecoin or whatever, it's going to go up 10, 15, 20% just because he said so. So that's the type of power you have. You look at what Tesla is trading at. Tesla is trading at like 800 or plus, you know, price to earnings ratio in terms of its share value. Apple is at like 36. So you talk about just there, you can see direct correlation between your engagement with the community. And and Elon is a special case because he's a living meme at this point. He's become Mm -hmm. a meme to people. But you can see a direct correlation to how engaged you are with the community and especially the young community and how that can affect the financial performance of your company. So we talk about real estate. We talk about you know, having content and showing the behind the scenes and mm-hmm. connecting with people and showing that credibility and authority. Uh, you know, the people who don't get behind that are going to be left behind. And mm-hmm. with capital being transferred to younger people as as boomers die, people talk about how it's going to be one of the greatest, you know, wealth transfers in history. And so when you have these younger people who are more in, engaged with that, you know, money and value is just a function of supply and demand most of the time at the end of the day. So if they if demand is for Elon Musk memes, you know, Elon Musk memes are going to go go to the moon. And that's what's going to happen. And it, it's going to be the same for real estate. It's going to happen slower because buildings are slow and, and this is probably the least prone to change industry, but it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Whoever controls the memes controls the universe. That yes. was one of the tweets I saw. But I would love to add <laughs> on that about how developers or owners or executives of companies should be relatable to the consumers in order to understand what's going on. And let me talk about Las Vegas for a second. Surprise. Who have thought that this person is going to talk about Las Vegas? Okay. So I saw this wonderful article two weeks ago about how the Las Vegas Strip is disconnecting itself with the guest. And what it means is that in 1960s, when you walked into a casino, the employees knows your name. They would say, hi, Andy. Hi, Julio. How was your podcast recording last week with Minja? They know everybody. They know your favorite food. They know your favorite game. And sometimes they give you show tickets. If you had a bad day at the backjack table and it gave you two show tickets to watch. I feel like Las Vegas is slowly losing its authenticity of these. There's a disconnection between corporations who treat guests like walking wallets instead of people. 
and all of these resorts fee, these parking fees, and then they would charge you, you know, a lot of the fees on top of fees. That's funny you say that. We I've been to Vegas a couple of times, and I always get the Caesars buffet of buffet pass. I'm sure、mm-hmm. you're familiar, like where the ones you like for three days, you can go to all of their properties,、mm-hmm. which includes the Rio and Paris and Bali's and all、mm-hmm. those places. And、uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all the same between places. Yeah, it's not like it, the the Strip is not what it used to be twenty thirty years ago. Now it's all corporate games. There's no more human connection. Definitely, and、uh, that's that's one of the reasons I haven't been、uh, to Vegas yet. I get this perception that it's only a place where you spend money, and sure, you get experience out of it. But like, mo- their money is like emphasized. And go- going back to sort of that humanity、uh, on what Andy said earlier, and what you mentioned, Minja. About CEOs appealing more to the younger audience, I, I think that's an absolute wonderful idea, and I think it humanizes them a lot more. And one benefit I see coming out of that is that it appeals to the younger audience, yes, but it also, I think, it'll make them transition easier into the work, the workforce. Because、uh, I'm not sure if y'all felt the same way, but I was intimidated of graduating and starting work, mainly because of those perceptions I had. Of work culture and you know etiquette and being formal and、yeah. it it wasn't really so much that I was worried about the skill set and performance. It was really more of how you had to behave and act. So、yes. I, I think give, you know showing this other side of people will make it a lot more appealing、uh, to younger folks to start working whenever it's their time. You know. Yes. And、I'll, I have another question. This is a little more frightening. Do y'all think we will be left behind? And the context behind that is, as I'm sure y'all are aware, some of the adults in this world are a little less tech、um, mm-hmm. literate. And、um, y'all, y'all have seen the <laughs> lawyer cat. Yeah. Do y'all, do y'all think?、Uh, We're gonna be a little more bulletproof whenever we grow up, as far as maintaining up to date and with technology. Or do you think we're gonna be left out eventually? I think、uh, we'll get left out. Or Andy, do you want to go first? Oh, you you have your opinion because I'm gonna counter yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's okay to have different opinions. This is like a a brainstorming group discussion. I feel like every generation will have their. I mean. Now being the oldest person in this call, I feel like I will get old one day, and people will start to call me, "Oh, Gen Y," and then they're like, "We are Gen Beta or Gen whatever." So when I talk about a lot of the hotels on the Strip, about how it was designed twenty, thirty years ago, there's nothing wrong with that, because that was the product that had the most demand in the market. Twenty, thirty years ago, that was the product that people wanted, and these developers are definitely legendary developers. But it's just every generation has its own,、mm, their way of living and their own preference of what they want and what they would like to see. And 
And I think one day when we like Zoom call, like if 20 years from now I say, oh, let's do go on Zoom call. And then, you know, Jeff Beta will be like, what is Zoom? That is so outdated. So um, yeah, I, I can definitely see that we will get old one day, guys. No. So I'm, I'm going to present the opposite opinion. I mean, I think you're right in terms of there's definitely going to be cultural shifts, right? I, I, you have out of World War II, you have that generation, and then you have the boomers and the counterculture kind of in response to what they what they were seeing before. And then you, you kind of each generation is kind of a, a reflection and kind of an antithesis almost of the past yeah. values and mm-hmm. you try to break those down right if, if you look yeah. at social media when you look at how younger people use instagram uh instagram by millennials was always the picture perfect avocado toast and now you know the kiddos are we're trying to be more relatable and authentic and yes. you know you have the blurry photos and kind of like edgy or whatever that's it's just a different vibe so I agree. I think culturally it's going to be different, but I think tech and technology in terms of adoption is more of a mindset that, I mean, there's plenty of older people who, you know, if they're in IT, they perfectly can keep up with technology. And since we've been kind of natively born to it, unless there's just like, probably until we get to the point where it's human robot synaptic interfacing and, you know, 50 years from now when all kids are born with computer chips in their brains and stuff then we're probably going to be left behind but until we get to that point (laughs) i think we'll be okay yeah i was i was thinking from more of the development and design perspective okay yeah what kind of products will you know should we build today but i agree with andy if you think about i think it's all about the mindset I mean, there are 65 years old on TikTok. They're killing it. They're like having 5 million followers, you know, a million times more than what I have. <laughs> I have like five followers. But um, yeah, there are definitely grandparents on TikTok teaching their grandkids how to cook. Um, you know, they show their new haircut and that one video got like 20 million views. So there are definitely some cool grandparents on TikTok. I follow a lot of them too in perspective y'all too yeah the, the reason i brought this up is um last year whenever i was out of school and i was looking for that first position uh one thing i noticed especially for commercial real estate positions is not a required skill but something that's starting to become more of a desired skill is to have some basic coding experiences or to at least have understanding of vba and excel which is visual basic for application and this is something that i did not have and that's it's something that I see as a skill set that's going to be more desired in the future. So I, I can already tell that's probably going to be the field that um, the younger generation is going to be very fluent in. And whenever they ask me about it, I'm just going to be hands off because like, I don't know anything about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, in China, elementary school, second grade, like they're, they start to teach kids how to code in second grade. What was I doing in second grade? I was probably watching pokemon or something <laughs> gosh yeah no they're they're gonna they're gonna you know kick our butts there i mean that's just the yeah it, with access to information too i mean so many educational resources available through the internet by itself you'll just have people who are just way ahead of the curve 
Uh, and now that we have smartphones and stuff, because even, you know, yeah, I, I grew up on a computer. My dad was in IT, so I may be more ahead of people. But I still, when I was like three, you know, they were still using, because that was 2000, floppy disks and stuff. I remember that on a computer and we had dial-up internet for the first few years. And so I remember all that stuff. But now, I mean, we're just going to have unlimited the effect that having unlimited data and unlimited access to information is going to have on people's development. I think, I mean, we, we have no idea, you know, because it, a full life cycle hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It's how crazy a technology changed in the past 20 years. Exactly. Exactly. And same thing with TVs. I mean, I, I remember having those huge, like wooden on the side, like heavy, televisions that were an absolute pain to get uh, rid of you needed like two people to carry them and nowadays i mean i i I don't even have a tv if i wanted to use it i just share it with my monitor like Mm -hmm. you know with those multiple outlets if i want to play or something i can easily switch between computer work and then playing that reminds me let's bring the topic into commercial real estate you know what that reminds me? Every time when I walk into a hotel room, I always wonder, do people actually watch the TV in the hotel room or are we just on our smartphones watching YouTube videos or Netflix? I don't think anybody really does. And I think that's a huge waste yeah. of energy. Exactly. You know what hotel developers sh- should do? I think they should save that space on you know, because the TV takes space. Some of the developers, they think about putting TV into the wall to make the space of the room looks bigger or whatever, but nobody's really using the TV. I don't think so. Not at least me and my friend. Same. Idea. Exactly. The same thing applies to those restaurant bar hybrids, uh, you know, that concentrate for sporting events. I, I think they have way too many TVs. And, you know, I guess it's convenient whenever you have them in different angles, but like one side to side by the other followed by another six, that's just insane. And I think what you guys are touching on is is trying to create more intentionally designed space for people and being much more thorough in trying to address what people need and what and what is wasteful and what we can do to actually provide value to people and your customers who are going in to these buildings. Because, I mean, it, it seems, and, and you were kind of touching on this before, perhaps yeah, when you were in a Las Vegas casino 20 years ago, you you had developers trying to appeal to the mass market audience. But people generally are, you don't have to provide one product that fits everybody at all times anymore. You have to pick, pick a specific audience segment and, and tailor it to them, but make it really intentionally designed for them. And people are going to value you more for that. And so, you know, whether that's eliminating TVs or I don't know what that exactly looks like, I think that's what we're going to be seeing more in the future. How we, and, and besides, you know, spending a little bit more time on the design, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's so funny to me, you know, design build is this concept that seems very easy to understand, but still, you know, most of the projects are designed are done design, bid, build, and it takes out the value engineering. And then, you know, it just makes it seem more complicated. It's like, what if we just spent, you know, $10,000 more on designing 
a better space yeah. and will save so much money in the long run. It's kind of, you know, cutting off your exactly. nose to spite your face. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you the most successful casino developer in Vegas, he, he's the one who spent the most amount of money on the design phase of the project among all the other developers. The ones who save cost initially on paper will cost that person even more at the end or you know during the construction process and there are bad examples on the strip where they opened a hotel without even have the furniture ready in the hotel rooms they open it on day one the guests were like why do i have 15 different tv sets in my room where's my bed (laughs) and and it cost them a lot of the bad reputations Okay, I, I, yeah, I, I told you guys I ended up talking about Las Vegas all the time. Okay, somebody else jump on and talk about something else. So I'll, I'll talk about something else, and I'm back at it with another question, you guys. Oh, yeah. Yes, so, I love it. So this is around legal documents, especially the language built into documents. So I don't know about y'all, but whenever I'm looking at, say, uh, PSA, a lease, really anything formal and legally binding, I'm looking like Jimmy Butler in that one meme, you know, looking at the piece of paper, like trying to figure out what was said. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the language in some of these legal documents are a little gray and it's intentionally done so sometimes, but it's also super confusing. Uh, so the question is, whenever Gen Z and Gen Alpha become lawyers, do you all think we're going to scale down on the language and make it a little more, you know, comprehensible? And what my friend likes to say, make it in toddler terms. Andy, do you want to go first? Hopefully that made sense. Yep, yeah, I had no, that makes sense. I kind of, my my opinion on that is, is not as much as other things, just because the reason they write all that crap in there is to CYA, right? To, to cover your, your, mm-hmm. your derriere as they, as they say. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, that thing so it's one thing in the legal industry where you know you have more tech you have like legal zoom or 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 you have turbo tax to file your tax to make sure you get your law stuff that's one thing but i don't know if they're going to change the language uh yeah because i don't know lawyers aren't going to write themselves out of a job <laughs> yeah i i think my suggestion would be just to find a lawyer that you like that that fits with your vibe. Like, I don't know any developers out there who doesn't have a lawyer that understand the language. So in terms of language and the legal documents, let the lawyers handle that. <laughs> you know, that is that is their profession. And I'm not a lawyer, so I cannot speak for them. And you know what I was thinking about the language of the legal document? That reminds me the language of leases. And one thing, so I, I got interviewed you know, by a company about what are some of the things that you're seeing up and coming in the industry. And I say, um, A, I don't want to talk about industrial or data center because everybody else talks about that. Everybody knows that. And me being a unique person, I want to talk about something different. So I talked about movie production and studios properties. So I talked about private equity firms like Blackstone. They invested it in studio production facilities. And one news that I remember, it was an eSport, like a video game company. I don't remember the exact name. They bought a dead mall and they will redevelop it into their headquarter in America. So 
when we, this generation, whether it's technology or new industries that we're going to see in the next 20 years, we will start to see new tenants, new users of the building. A building for video game companies definitely different than a building for legal and accountants. So in terms of design of the building or redevelopment of some of these dead malls, I think there's a lot of potential in that, in adaptive reuse. And I, I, I know video game people are very creative, so I'm looking forward to their opening of the headquarter. Yeah. And, and think about... Oh, oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, I was going to say um, in May of last year, I think May or early June, TikTok signed the largest office lease in Manhattan, in Midtown Manhattan. I think it was like seven or nine stories within this office building. And May or June of 2020, that was like the the most silent market timing in commercial real estate. But TikTok was the one who signed the biggest office lease during that time. And two years ago, nobody have ever heard what TikTok is in America. TikTok existed in China, but you know, two years ago in the US, people didn't know about it. So I think we will start to see a lot of these new industries, new businesses. I would not be surprised if we see a lot of these TikTokers, live streamers, Twitch or YouTubers start to rent production studios for themselves and their team. I know MK, what is that tech YouTuber's name? Um, Or Mr. Beast. So he is like a YouTuber that is famous for donating money to to his subscribers or um, people in the community. He has like over 50 million followers on YouTube. I'm one of his followers. He started a burger business, mm-hmm. a hamburger business that has no physical stores. It's, um, ghost kitchen. I don't know what that's called, ghost kitchen, or it's delivery only. And Mr. Beast Burger, because of his personal brand, because of his 50 million YouTube followers, he made it to the headline of a lot of the newspaper because of what he's doing. Like he is selling burgers without physical stores. Yeah. Now, what, what you're touching on is is how, how, as we kind of said before, authenticity is key. Like connection with people is key. And the reason why people are going to be trying to get into these businesses like content creation, and we're going to have need more space for that is, and is why you see Netflix and Amazon and Disney all going ramping up extensively in their video production and their content production, right? It's, you can't just compete based off of, oh, you know, I have access to a platform. I build a platform. Everyone has a platform now. These technology platforms, we've reached a point where anything can be accessed. Now, the question is not, it's not that can you access it? The question is, what can you access? So if you create stuff, then you have draw in. So that's what you have there. And with with Mr. Beast, I Mr. Beast can get attention. And by virtue of getting attention, he can monetize that into anything. Yeah. The second thing I think you you touched on that I want to bring up briefly is that for the future of buildings, what do the buildings look like? And you say, hey, are we going to reconvert this old abandoned shopping mall into a video game production facility or, or esports arena or whatever it is? The best performing buildings in the future are going to be buildings that are 
flexible, that have the ability to be changed around. I think we're going to see a lot more modular design of interior walls and things because, frankly, you know, we're speculating based off of, you know, video game and movie production, things that are important right now. What the world will look like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we genuinely have no idea. Things change so quickly. So if these, so you're going to need more buildings and commercial space, office space, especially that has to provide the ability to change and adapt with different tenants that doesn't cost a fortune to, to redevelop because, you know, people are stuck with legacy buildings when you have new buildings that are put in and every system and every wall inside is modular. You know, what, what building are you going to buy if, if I'm, if I'm a REIT and I'm going to look to try to buy a safe performing asset that's going to last me for the next 20, 30 years. I'm not going to buy the 1970s building, I'm going to buy the 2020 building that is, you know, modular, energy efficient, flexible. So that's kind of just my thoughts there. Exactly. I, I agree. I think as the generation that's seen how big box retail has been dying, I think a lot of us fear about developing large and then having it go empty. So there's absolutely larger emphasis on adaptive reuse. And what Min just said, uh, I definitely see that being occupied by tenants with that gaming emphasis. You know, tournaments for certain games are starting to become not just like just for the gamers, but also for anybody, any viewers to actually spectate and watch. So I think it's grasping a larger audience. And... I just came up with an idea, but now I don't remember what it is. <laughs> okay, you guys, you guys can continue. It will come back. Inter, you got to write these down. <laughs> well, well, let me ask this question first. If you are the developer of whatever product type that you choose today and you say, I'm going to design this building, Whatever location, whatever product, you're the master of this project. What is your ideal development project? Maybe you can talk about the financing, you can talk about design, sustainability, you can talk about uses of the building. So I would like to hear what you guys have in your mind. And I'm going to think about what was the other question that I lost my mind. Okay. Andy, you, you can go ahead and go first, Andy. I feel like our answers are going to be a little similar. Okay, yeah. So I think the uh, what the building I would choose to build it's 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 going to be probably kind of in, in what I'm doing now, but just on a grander scale, right? I want micro units for to promote affordability. I want it to be well designed. I want you to have the Murphy bed that comes out of the wall and then folds back up, so we can better utilize your space, right? We can build it modularly. I wanted to have it so that we can build the majority of it in a factory, ship it to get on site so you don't have to spend a lot of time wasting uh, putting the building up and, you know, you can develop it simultaneously with your site development and while building the units in your factory. But also I want, I want office and retail units to be a part of it. I want it to be a mixed use project because part of affordable housing is not just having access to houses and being able to live in somewhere that's cheap. It's, it's being able to live in somewhere that's cheap and that's not going to break your bank, but that also provides access to stores and jobs and businesses. And if you 
can provide that all in one location, you are creating, you know, kind of the mini village, town square, mm -hmm. kind of what, what humans used to do where you can go out and you can walk to your grocery store and you can walk to your your business and shop and everyone can kind of stay together. And I mean, you're seeing those a lot. These big, huge mixed-use developments are, are coming up online. And I think that's definitely something I would want to do. Something I think on the creative financing, I would love to have it be crowdfunded or using... There's these companies now that are doing tokenization of real estate financing where it's literally using the blockchain to make it incredibly liquid where you can buy, you know, one coin that represents one billionth of the building. And I said, wow, that, that'd be insane because that would solve the liquidity problem of real estate, right? If you can, if you can do transactions like that more than just owning a REIT share, which is not exactly the same. So I don't know. I would, I would try to put everything, sandwich it all together. It'd be environmentally sustainable. You'd have, you know, net zero, everything. I don't know. It, that may be a pipe dream. But I think these are the types of buildings that are, if I build a building like that and you have a flagship property like that, you know, you're going to have the most money and valuation and people wanting to come there and live there and invest there. And I think you're going to be rewarded. You just have to be able to put it together. Yeah, so mine, mine is similar to Andy. It would also be in the industry sector that I am in right now, and it would be both mixed income and mixed use housing. For one, uh, and the, the mix of uses coming from the residential and the um, hopefully what I'm envisioning is either a grocery store tenant or at least the accessibility for there to be a service for grocery store delivery. One thing I'm very huge on is eliminating car dependency. So by having one of those very critical essential services in, in your residence, I mean, you, you eliminate the need for a car and you have so many expenses when you do have a car. I mean, whenever you're younger, your insurance is, you know, off the roof and I'm I'm always super paranoid if even if you do take make good maintenance of your car if you wake up the following morning is it going to turn on I mean some some vehicles are like that you know they keep you guessing uh but besides from that uh on the financing side for this project if if I had a wish list if I had a magic wand uh I would wish uh that government would allocate more funds for affordable housing uh su such as or to expand low income housing tax credits or new market tax credits or build new creative uh, financing sources that like that that aren't debt but are more like grants mm -hmm. that serve the purpose for reinvesting in these communities and as far as the design aspect of it i would absolutely incorporate more green space plant life within the building i think that makes it lively and i think research has uh, shown that it's also been um capable of improving your mental health. Mm -hmm. Great. And you mentioned about um, low-income housing tax credit, light tech. I 100% agree with you. Did you guys know that Las Vegas is the number eight city that has the highest number of homeless people? But the reason why we don't have a lot of light tech allocation from the federal government is because the population of Las Vegas is less than 2 million 
people, but because I don't know whether it's because of the sin city, there's a lot of alcoholic gambling issues, like the proportion of the number of homeless people we have in this city versus the total number of population in our city is really high. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and going back to our generation taking over, um, one thing I think will happen is whenever our generation and Generation Alpha become politicians, uh, given how, how they, I know they'll become a lot more like-minded. And so a lot of these regulations, um, that political side of real estate will be a lot more flexible and will work a lot more in our favor for us to build these thriving communities. Yes. What's the next question, Julio? Well, I'm all about uh, out of questions right now. Do y'all have any questions? Anything I'm not trying to hog the entire floor with questions myself. Anything else that you guys would like to add? Say anything? Drop your Instagram and TikTok username so we can follow you. Mm, I, I have something about that. So y'all, y'all are probably going to cancel me for this, but I don't even have a TikTok. But I, I've, I've watched y'all's videos. I just don't have an account. And I, I didn't have a Snapchat or an Instagram until like three or four years ago. Wow. Uh, but but I didn't really start being active in it. That's I know that's super un-Gen Z of me, but that is just who I am. But I'm, I'm starting to be a little more active. But from time to time, I do sign off everywhere and just go uh, offline completely. So you're not going to leave us your handle is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, let me try to remember my Instagram handle. Oh, yeah. It's at magnetic polarity. What about yours, Andy? Why don't you type send me um, your social media handle so I can include it in the show note? Yeah. Tell people to, um, and I will include the link as well so people can follow you if you have your profile is public i know julio's instagram profile is not public it's private Wait, it's not wait is it public i remember when i added you it, you had like zero picture i have no clue like i'm telling you i'm i'm not at, this is what i mean i'm not active so I, like i don't mess with any of that i have no idea what i am if i am private uh just give me the instructions on how to become public and i'll do it or what about linkedin or um twitter yeah Yes, LinkedIn and Twitter is what I'm most active in. And I think my LinkedIn handle is the same as my Twitter um, forward slash Jochelito16. Make sure to follow all of them and me too. <laughs> yeah, follow me too for sure. Uh, yeah, it's funny, Julia, you say that, that I I really have the same philosophy of social media as you. I, like, I didn't like to use it myself, but I've always been fascinated by how powerful of a tool it is to really connect to people and so i but bit the bullet and then start to make videos so if you all want to follow me on tiktok i'm <laughs> at gen z rebuilds uh which is a very appropriate name for this for what we're talking about today about you know reshaping the future of real estate and finance so i'll and i'm and i want to have you know kind of create a podcast focused on the same thing so so i look forward to having YouTube both has guests on that when I get around to making it. Yeah. Well, why don't you, um, do you want to use this recording to be on your podcast as well? I can send you a copy. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. I can just, I need to start putting videos on my YouTube channel because, uh, I currently have a very bad video on there and just, just explaining what I'm talking about, but it's, it's harder to make YouTube content than to make one minute TikTok videos. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you know why I I was super um, overwhelming two months ago when TikTok was like the hottest app ever, and then I have to make podcasts, I have to make LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, all of these social media platforms. It can be pretty overwhelming. Andy, is your night time over there? <laughs> why are you looking sleepy? I'm sleepy. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> I was up late underwriting yesterday. Oh, got it. Okay. Anything else that we haven't touched on? Oh, what is? I was thinking about. Um, I really want to touch on the diversity issue that Julio brought up at the very beginning, like two hours ago. <laughs> Welcome to Mingja's podcast. We don't get into like the main topic until like two hours later. <laughs> But um, you mentioned diversity and inclusion. So sometimes when I see these webinars or conferences in commercial real estate and I look at the panel speakers and I'm like they all looked the same it's the same type of people and then and even if it's not the same type of people it's like the same people over and over again and why don't they bring in new faces and you know what I hate the most about some of these events is that every time when they have a topic about millennials work live play blah 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 They never invited a single millennial to speak on the panel. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I agree that it, it's like having a panel full of dogs on a topic regarding cats. And um, one thing I wish professional uh, organizations would do is to have panels with folks our age and our experience level talking about something and then just going on uh, unchained, you know, w- without any of those seasoned professionals there to check on us, you know. And you know what they do? The reason why they do that it's because they think big company names and speaker names will attract audience. But in my opinion, I don't even get on Zoom webinars now because they are boring. And these people they talk the same thing over and over again. They only talk about like the service level stuff. They don't. They never go deeper into what they talk about. Maybe they have some restrictions by their companies. What can say, what cannot say, and a lot of them they don't have any personality. They talk like robots, and they don't have any facial expression. They're like they're being forced to sit on that chair to be on the panel. I don't know. I'm. I, I. Yeah. Somebody else can talk about that. I mean, just in regards to diversity in general, I think that's you know one of the important things of of. Minjia, like the work that you're doing here is to promote that, to show people who are, you know, not the traditional image you get of a commercial real estate person who's sitting in a smoky, you know, dark room in the back, you know, everyone's smoking cigars, sitting around the table, getting shady deals done. Like that's your image of of a traditional real estate professional, and so you know that's why you know what you're doing here and. Hopefully, this helps other people realize, it's like, hey, you know, you can get involved. You can be part of it. It doesn't have to be this old, same, stodgy industry in which nothing changes and it's just old people all the time. You know, there it's just like anything else. You know, there it's ripe for disruption. And if you bring the right energy, and you can bring your values, and you can make change in a good way. And make a lot of money too. You know that's also a good thing. <laughs> so it's just uh, a lot of things to to come in that. So, but thank you for doing what you're doing. 
Thank you, thank you um, for being on the guest on the show. And yeah, I think that was the last thing that I wanted to brought up. And anything else that you guys would like to talk about or this is good? I think, I think I've used a lot of my brain energy. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of yeah, want to go to the restroom because I had a bottle of water. Yeah, same here, same here. I, I've been holding it this time. I didn't want to walk out of frame. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for being on the um, the Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Oh, I was like, I forgot the name of my show. Oh, thank you so much for being on Creative Talks Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Um, this is a crazy podcast, but it's a lot of fun. And I will make sure to tell my audience, make sure to follow both of them on social media, check out the show notes and email me all of your social media profiles so I can attach the URL link in the show note. And we should definitely do this again in the future and looking forward to 2021. And hopefully I will catch up with you guys one day in person. Yes, absolutely. Definitely looking forward to it. Bye guys. I have to go to the restroom now. Bye friends. (laughs) Same here. Till next time. Next time I'm going to get a gaming chair in the background too. Okay. We expect that. We'll hold you to it. Uh, Bye. Bye. Be safe. Y'all too.